to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. Today we're looking at old school marketing and its place in today's modern business. Don't forget if you're listening via iTunes, we'd love you to post a brief review of the show. It helps us a lot. And of course, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Now, I first came across my guest, the wise man of marketing, the wise man of marketing, Winston Marsh, some 20 years ago. And I remember being blown away when I heard how many people were subscribed to receive his monthly cassette tapes by post. Whoa, the world has changed. Welcome to the Flying Solo community, Winston. Good day, Robert. Thank you, and good day, listeners. It's a great privilege to be here. Oh, that's so kind. So, look, what are, what are you up to these days? We're now, I'm, I'm guessing that it's not stuffing cassettes into envelopes anymore. No, we still do that wonderful program, and of course, it's downloadable. But I must say, there are a few stages, old stages, who love to get it by CD because they haven't yet worked out how to get an M3, MP3 into the car. Oh, there you it go. still goes on. But when, when did you start doing I, 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 I'd love to know because I don't think I've ever actually asked you. When did you start doing that? Because it was it, when you, when I came across it, it was, um, it was actually more than 20 years ago, I think. And it was kind of, it was fairly groundbreaking that you were, you were sending these cassettes out on a very regular basis. When did you start doing that? I reckon it's about 30 years ago. And, wow. of course, I discovered as... I gave people some of my thoughts that, you know, you might chat for an hour and you get through a heck of a lot of stuff and they really want to review what you've said. Mm. So that got me onto the idea of providing them regular little bits of advice, particularly in the car, which is otherwise often a wasted journey. Mm. And I could sit on their shoulder and just remind them of things. Mm. And that's what's happened, having me on the shoulder nagging you. A horrifying thought. <laughs> no, not at all. But isn't it, it's so, isn't it interesting? Here we are now talking on a podcast, all digital, so easy and straightforward by comparison to how things were. It's um, quite astonishing. So, you know, this topic of our, of our talk today, I'd, I'd love to just pull apart this sort of old school marketing with you a little. I know that over the years you've spoken with... Oh, I don't know how many thousands of, of small and large businesses nationally and internationally through your sort of speaking and presenting roles. What sort of things do you do you observe that are, if indeed there are any, and I hope there are, else we'll run out of things to talk about quite quickly. But what sort of things do you observe are maybe being sort of overlooked that shouldn't be? Have you, have you got a few? Look, I've got I've got a, a little list as oh, the, there you go. my executioner said in the Mercado. But yeah. before we get into that list, can I just remind you, Robert? Uh, not remind you. You know these the three basics of marketing because mm -hmm. I think today people tend to forget it and just go whoosh and send out an email or put something on social media mm. without remembering those three basics. The first one is, who is my target marketing? Mm. You talk differently to somebody who's 20, 25 than you do somebody who's 60 or 65. Mm. You may not use social media for the latter, although if they're grandmothers, you probably will because that's where they contact and see the grandkids. Mm. So knowing 
who your target market is, is critical. Then, of course, the second question is, for that target market, why would they choose to do business with you instead of your competitors doing it themselves or doing nothing? And, you know, 60% of buying decisions are when they decide to do nothing. So you've got to think about that. You can't just do a blast as people tend to do. Mm. And thirdly, and this is critical to what we're talking about today, how does your ideal client find out about you? What media are you going to use to get to them? Now, mm. you know, that's marketing 01, but I'm amazed, Robert, at how often people forget that and, you know, rushing to do something without thinking about it. Yeah, I know, and you've, you've been uh, working as a, as, a, as, a, as a marketing man, a marketing spokesperson for... A good number of years, um, and do you still are you still surprised by the number of times that um, you see these kind of basic one hundred and one mistakes? Uh, just about every day, hmm. you know, people come and they say, oh, "This didn't work." You know, the other day I had somebody who was trying to get people to uh, do their LinkedIn course hmm. and was sending out all the information on LinkedIn. And, of course, the people they wanted weren't even on LinkedIn, you know. And then I'll see people running an advertisement. Well, just the other day I talked about somebody running a, an advertisement on a radio station which was, you know, targeting the oldies and they were offering um, steelwork. Wrong station. It might mm. have been the right message, but it wasn't going to work. Mm. You've got to, before you do any marketing, you've just got to sit back and think. You know, what do I, I used to have that phrase, well, I still do. You've got to have empathy. You've got to, you know, walk, what do I say? You're walking your client's moccasins for at least three moons mm. you know, until you understand them and their needs and their wants and their desires. Mm. And That's, I guess it, it's, that, it's true that um, it, in, in the sort of working, in the business environment today that as you say kind of sending a blasting a message out is is so very simple so very easy to do and but it's almost kind of behind that um easiness um is a trap isn't there because it's not like the old days when we'd have to sit there and write a letter and print it and do all of those kind of things that you you perhaps take a lot more time in consideration over things whereas now the immediacy is there's a bit of a trap there isn't there well, we used to say, you know, when it came to an advert, 80% of the effectiveness of the advert is the is the headline. Mm. Now, put that in today's context, whether you're doing something on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or sending an email, the headline, the subject line is still 80% of the impact. If you don't get people to, to look at the rest of it, you're wasting your time. Mm. But most people just blast off an email or put something on Facebook or any other piece of social media and then wonder why it got into the junk pile or got deleted mm. okay so let's imagine that you're you're talking to well no need to imagine because you are talking to a, a number of of small businesses where we we know that marketing still continues to be a challenge or certainly finding enough clients continues to be a challenge where would you where would you kind of start with them you talked about those those three key key areas so obviously that is i guess that's the start but kind of where to next and what sort of um what are some initiatives that you would suggest perhaps that businesses consider or maybe reconsider, things that they might have even stopped doing? Okay. First thing is to think about how you describe yourself. Now, people are not good at doing this, maybe because our parents told us not to boast or show off. Mm. But, you know, let me be unfair to accountants. If you meet somebody and say, what do you do? and they say, I'm an accountant, 
your instant thought is boring and you want to move on. Mm. But if they looked at you and said, for people like you, I've got some amazing ways of reducing tax, then that's a different kettle of fish. You're more mm. likely to say, you know, how do you do that? And, of course, once you get people asking you questions, you're well on the way. Mm. And you can use things like authority specialist. I'm an authority on uh, power bills. I'm an expert in such and such, just so that you set yourself apart from the, fact, the pack. Mm. But the problem for many people is they can't do that because marketing yourself is very, very tough because, you know, we were told by parents not to do that. Now, that moves into the next thing is what do your team think and say about you because your team can be responsible for a lot of business by bringing it in. So what do they say? I just work for a dentist mm. or do they say I work for the best dentist in, uh, you know, Shepparton? Mm. Now, if they say the latter, people are going to naturally say who's that and that starts the conversation. Mm. So that means you need to have your team believe that they do work for somebody who's good at what they do. And if they don't believe that, they shouldn't be there anyhow. But then they should be able to express what's good about you to the people they meet. Because hmm. what they say, if it's a fine day, you'll get several hundred people at your funeral, some who have only just come for the morning tea. But at least you know a lot of people. And if you can get that message across on behalf of yourself or your boss, you're doing well. And I guess, that you know, bearing, bearing in mind a lot of our listeners will be people working by themselves, but increasingly working uh, with others, you know, outsourcing to others. That's I guess right. it's, it's every bit as important that those people that we outsource to have the right sort of language to use. And indeed, family members as well. I remember um, not that long ago, uh, my darling wife telling me she bumped into someone and they were saying, oh, you know, what, what's, what's, you know, what's Robert doing these days? And, and, um, and Jane replied, and I said, oh, what did you tell them? And, and she told me what she told them. And darling, I don't do that. I haven't done that for 10 years. Yeah, you know, my it's... mother went to a grave, not quite understanding what I did. Mm. Not her fault, my fault. Mm. But of course, that then brings us to perhaps the number one marketing device of all time, which is your business card. And if you've got team members, business cards for them. How does your business card represent you? What does it uh, make people want to do with it? Do they want to keep it or are they going to throw it away? So if you say you're an expert in reducing power consumption, then your card's got to say that. Mm. And you've got to get used to giving it out. It's the curse of assumption to believe that your friends know exactly what you do. Your acquaintances know. So make sure you use it and make sure you teach your team how to do it. And, of course, if you're talking to team members or the people you outsource to, the real small business, mm -hmm. they need to know who your ideal client is too so that they can refer them to you. So they're critical parts of the armory, the marketing armory. The problem is, you know, we invented Publisher a while back and everybody thinks that they can use Publisher. So, so many people design their own business card. Now, they might be, you think they're good at designing their own business card, but it looks terrible. Right. So it's doing your own letterhead. You should invest in having that done professionally so that wherever your logo is used, wherever your business card is displayed, it looks good. Hmm. Very important. Those are key marketing things. Well, it, real basic stuff that that's it, it's surprising how many people do still get that wrong. I remember being at a networking event not so long ago, and they had one of those 
drop your business card in here to win a draw sort of thing and some of the cars that were going in were absolutely shocking not not a good representation of the business at all that's why i appreciate people dropping five or ten of their business cards into the box <laughs> so they use them up quicker right. so that they can get a decent one but the trouble <laughs> is robert they don't think about it your business card my business card hasn't changed for 20 years and it's got a big wow in the center and around it it says ideas and inspiration to make you say wow and my artist has done it very nicely. But mm. I hand my card out to anybody. What's the first word they say? It's wow. Mm. It brings a smile and it gets us into conversation. And people have come to me 20 years later and pulled the, my business card out of their wallet and said, I've kept this because I knew one day I'd watch it. Well, that's working its backside off for me. Yes, yeah, definitely. But, but um, let's go a bit broader. Sure. What I love now is Australia Post and US Post in the States saying mailing is, you know, normal mail is dying and uh, they're going to charge a bit more if you want overnight delivery and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I love hearing them say soon people will only get one letter a day and I go on bended knee and talk to my Lord and say, please let it be mine. <laughs> Because in this day of email and social media avalanche, I love the way a letter gets through. Mm. And the longer we go with this, the more I realise how valuable it is. And if you look at statistics, you'll find the cost benefit, the cost per lead by using post far outweighs a lot of other alternatives, be they contemporary things like email or social media or running an ad in a paper. Because when you do mailing to the right sort of people, getting your target market right, you, you, you get through them directly. Whereas Denny Hatch, one of my favourite authors, says with email and everything else, you're one click away from oblivion. But if you do a great letter and put it in a great envelope, uh, you'll get through. Mm. And the criteria I've been saying to people, and it works today, somebody just told me the other day they were using, he makes pulpits, would you believe, you know, for churches. Mm. He said, "We know I have been using your soap letter for 20 years and I have X percent, a huge percent of the American church market because of it. And he sends a, a packet of soap and an envelope for, uh, you know, cleansing the minister after a hot sermon. I, I forget what it says. <laughs> but... Um, and this was your. This was something that you conceived for him, is it? Yeah, yeah. You see, the criteria for getting through is number one: have a plain envelope. I mean, Reader's Digest and all the others, they'll put slogans on, but you have mm. a plain envelope, hand addressed, with a stamp on it, and maybe a bulge in it that doesn't exude white powder. Mm. Or tick is very important, and then post it from somewhere they don't expect. So if you get something with a bulge in it, a little bulge, uh, and it's posted from uh, you know. Uh, Plymouth in, in England or Plymouth in New Zealand, mm. you've got to open, you've got to say, what's this? And my favourite for a number of years, and we've mailed all sorts of things from coins to thimbles to uh, dried fruit which isn't and chocolate, which isn't good to mail in the summer. Right. But uh, my favourite, which has worked gangbusters, and the pulpit manufacturer used it, and uh, one of my colleagues used it to get business in the UK, is you get a little bar of the soap. You know the soap that you, you get when you go to a hotel or a mm. motel? 
Yeah, and tiny one. The envelope, and now there's a bulge in it. People have got to open the envelope to have a look to see what it is. And when they open it, they've got to read the letter because you don't get soap in the mail very often. And the letter says, you don't know me from a bar of soap. <laughs> so here is the soap. Let me say I smell better and I'm taller. Let me explain why I'm writing. Fantastic. Now, you use that letter, you get people ringing you. I mean, I had a person ring us once who said, uh, look, we don't need anything, but we just had to ring you to ask whether it'd be all right to send your letter on to somebody who does need you. Hmm. It's just simple to do. Fantastic. And There's a couple of things there. Firstly, I, I love, I've been looking for a pulpit, pulpit manufacturer for so long, and it's so nice to know that they exist. That's a fantastic <laughs> I'll role. I'll his name. He's, yeah, he's please Australian-based. <laughs> fantastic. And it's, it, I think it's such a good point. It's interesting. I, I saw um, some young guys that um, we did some work with a few years ago have, have just launched a um, sort of business development software, big business. They've been over to the States and, and uh, got funding and development, and it's a, 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 I think it's something we're going to see a lot of. Anyway, I was quite encouraged when I looked through the demo of it that um, whilst it's all sort of an online, it's an online marketing plugin, but one key element of it is you can um, sort of suck out information of your prospects and you can send them a letter. And that whole process is kind of built into this system. So a good old-fashioned letter can get spat out by this wonderful new um, plugin, which I thought was pretty impressive that they've got that bit in. And I so, so agree with you about the, um, the standout of letters. I remember whenever I send a letter to my dear sister in the UK, I always put a couple of gum tree leaves out of the garden just as a little bit of Australia in you know where she lives so it's it's a lovely thing to do to send something so um great point where, where to next now well just let me say even Google when Google wants you to use AdWords mm. guess how they approach you Robert yeah I've, I've received the envelopes yeah you get it through the mail yeah. I just love that Google, who's all about, you know, new fashion marketing, send you a letter. It's wonderful. Mm. So you can send a letter, but there is something else you need to do to increase your response rate by up to eight or nine times, and that is to follow that letter up with a phone call. Mm. Now we've gone, you know, how people ring you up and want to give you new power power prices and all sorts of things and they're, they're begging they're, they're begging phone calls. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, they're unwelcome pests. But if you're following up a letter, particularly one that had a bar of soap in it or something like that, you're more of a welcome guest. And particularly if you script it well and practice, rehearse and drill so that you can do it well, so it sounds natural, you'll get through. You know, you ring up and you say, hi, Mr. Smith, I wondered whether you got my letter. And they can't remember. You say with a bit of a laugh in your voice, <laughs> it's the one with the soap. They right. it, They laugh back and they say yes. And that's the first yes they're going to say as you take them through what you want to do, which is probably to get an appointment. Amazing mm. stuff. It works. I don't know why people just cold call people on the phone. You know, that is just so impolite. Mm. You know, I might be in the middle of, uh, you know, telling my kid off. I might be having an argument with my wife. I might be just going on a holiday and people ring me. Mm. Why wouldn't they warm it up by sending a letter first and finding the appropriate time to do it? Mm. Simple stuff. And to 
Sorry, Robert. Yeah, no, I'm just going. I'm, I'm dying to ask. In in your speaking career, I know you do uh, still do an awful lot of speaking and have done a massive amount with um, national speakers and CS your CSP designation that you were awarded and so on. Do you do you use your sort of direct mail um, tactics to gain speaking gigs? Is that something you've done in the past? Yes, indeed, it is. Mm. Indeed, it is. Um, you know, one of the nice letters I write right there if I want to get to see a chief executive is I play to their ego and I might say in that letter, I'm writing to you because everybody tells me you're the person to go to. No matter who I've asked about this important subject, they've always said, well, your name's always come up. Now, it's mm. a massive stroke of the ego. But all I'm looking for, and remember, when you write a letter, you've got to determine a purpose. Most letters I write, to, if I'm getting a speaking uh, a gig, I would want to meet the chief executive. So all I'm aiming to do is not sell myself as a speaker. I'm selling the idea of having an appointment with me and making what I say in the letter interesting enough for them to want to take the next step. And it's something that we forget, you know. We wade straight in to try and sell instead of establishing reasons that you've got some credibility with them and building the relationship a little bit so that it's there's there's nothing you can't sell without a letter sure there's lots of things you can use um, your cyberspace for yep gee when you look at using a letter and that brings me of course to the next point mm. and so many people have forgotten this that you can rent a list so if you want to get names and addresses of people in new south wales who have bought washing machines in the last five years then you can probably get a list with that. Now, sure, you can get email lists, you can get phone lists, and you can get the snail mail lists. And it's a very, very profitable way of doing it. Of course, writing to people you know will give you a far better response sure. than writing to people who are on a list. But even then, if you write to people on a list, you can get a response of 1% to 2%. And whatever the value of your product, if you look at that is a return versus the cost and the lifetime value of that client, it can easily be very, very profitable. Mm. I would imagine, it's interesting, I've not, not um, considered buying lists for a, for a number of years, but I'm guessing just through what you've been saying and what we hear from Australia Post, the incidence of stuff being sent around by Post is dropping. So, of course, standout is going to be massively improved, which is yeah, a huge thing. Instead of being, you know, 10 letters in the letterbox today, there might only be one or two, and yours is there, and if you've written it right. And I believe when you write a letter, it's me to you. Hmm. I'm writing to you as, a, as I would explain it if I were with you face-to-face. -face. So I'm not making flamboyant promises or extravagant claims. I'm just chatting. And one of the beautiful things I like that people tell me is they say, when I, when I get a letter or an article from you, it's as if you are talking to me. Hmm. And I think if you can achieve that, then you'll have huge success in doing that. So really worthwhile. Now, while we're on the letterbox, Robert, mm. I just love the fact that that letterbox is the key to an endless supply of prospects and sales. Now, what am I talking about? Mm. Well, what are you talking about? actually dismiss it as junk mail. Right. But the other day I went through my letterbox, I had something from Bunnings, something from Coles, something from Safeway, something from Dick Smith, something, you know, went on and on and on. And I said, 
Why do these people keep doing that? They just like to spend the money. They're stupid. No, there's a good reason for it. They do it because it works. Mm. Sure, people call it junk mail, but you know, junk mail and spam is only stuff people don't want to get. So if you make sure it's the sort of stuff they're interested in and they want to get, then it's not the letterbox yeah. is fantastic. Now, of course, you've got to remember the old rule, and this rule has never gone out, A-I-D-A. Robert, you know what that is, don't you? I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> do I? See, you've forgotten. Golly, oh. it's an old-timer reminding you young blokes. <laughs> <laughs> not so young. What, what is it? A-I-D-A. First of all, you've got to get their attention. Okay. Now, what does that, if you drop something in a letterbox, is the look of it and also the headline. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the simplest ways of making sure people do it is to put it in a pink envelope or a green envelope or a blue envelope. Because, And you needn't even address it, but you could if you wanted to. But people, a lot of them are going to open the envelope just to see what's in there. And then if you've got a good headline that gets their attention, they're going to read it. Because AIDA is, first of all, get their attention, mm -hmm. stimulate their interest, right. create desire. You know, as they read the copy, it's not all about you and what you do. It's all about solving their problems, how you can take the pain away from them. Uh, so that they finally take the last day and they take action mm -hmm. and 80% of the impact is getting attention if you don't get attention no matter what you do whether it's an email today in the subject line or whether it's a letterbox dropper if you don't get their attention they're not going to look lost. at yep. the rest so all the old rules still apply I like to think that all we've got is a few more marketing channels to use depending on our target market and what will get through to them so that a letterbox dropper is huge. You know, the best one I've ever done that is for local people. It could be the plumber, the dentist, the chiropractor, the electrician, uh, any local store. And I call it a me to you letter. Mm. And I say this is a marketing effort that means you can get fit as well as get rich. Now, that's not a bad combination. Mostly getting fit costs you money. So what you've got to do is every day you go for a walk and you walk down one side of some streets and drop a letter in a green envelope or a pink envelope to 100 houses. Then you walk back the other side of the street and drop another 100. So in a week, you've dropped a 1,000 letters and uh, you got a little bit fitter. In mm -hmm. a month, you can have dropped 4,000 letters, which is all about all you need to cover for local marketing for the sort of small businesses many of us are in. And that letter says, I call it, hi, neighbour, hello, I'm just writing to you because I'm probably a neighbour of yours. And it goes on and it says, I may have met you in the chemist shop, I may have walked yes. past you, your kids may not. I'm just writing to let you know I'm the local expert in. And here's the sort of problems I solve. <laughs> And there's a PS which makes an offer. You know, that works gangbusters. Mm. And I guess the thing with that as well, brain, that word of mouth is um, is still absolutely as powerful as it ever, ha ever has been. It's not just that you're putting into the letterboxes of potential clients, but potential people that can talk about you to potential clients. It just helps spread word of mouth so wonderfully, doesn't it? And because it's so personal, I'll pass mm. the letter on as you say. They'll refer it. They'll talk about it. Now, the thing, of course, is with all this sort of marketing, so many people do once-only wonders. You know, they have a go and they say, oh, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, now, it they, didn't work. 
wrong time. They might have done it just before Christmas or mm. school holidays. But if you systematically and regularly do it, it's just amazing at how well it will work. Mm. By I the way, if anybody wants a copy of any of these letters, I imagine we can arrange for that, uh, Richard, if they want to see them. Uh, Richard, what am I talking about? <laughs> Please call me Robert. Yeah, that's fine. So we can, the best place to go would be to your website to get those? I think probably to send me an email. Oh, okay, fine. And what's the best address to send to you? Guru at winstonmarsh.com.au. Okay, guru at winstonmarsh.com.au. That's fantastic. So, look, we've gone through uniqueness, headlines, business cards, letters, AIDA, fantastic. Um, really great points, and, and I totally agree with you that this this whole postage side of things is, is, is kind of wide open in many ways because so many people have pulled back from it. You talk about letters. Um, any distinction between letters and postcards? Do you see any great difference between the two? No, it's all, Robert, in the design. If mm. you get it right, look, a good headline, interesting information for them and something to make them take action, then you just, it's horses for courses. You say, mm. well, I might try a postcard on this. Um, and I'm amazed at how good some of the postcards I get are and how well they make you take action. But, I mean, you know, if you're trying to sell water, there's no point trying to sell it to a drowning person. You've got to find thirsty people. So it's getting the message and the market right. And when they coincide, the results are fantastic. Mm, if we're talking about AIDA, that brings me on to advertising now a lot of people say oh adverts are old hat and don't do it don't believe it (laughs) i love advertising but you've got to get the right media with the right message Mm. remember i mentioned the guy selling structural steel on a gold noldies radio program that wasn't going to work um so i love first of all for people who are in local marketing the local paper it is still better read. Local papers are still better read than metropolitan newspapers. And if you think, well, local papers aren't mine, what else is? What about the media that your industry, your business read, you know, the association magazines, the association newsletters, and the so on? Yep. They are still read. But a local newspaper ad will, will work. I had a plumber many years ago come to me and he said, when I – my uh, local newspaper ad doesn't work, and it doesn't work in the yellow pages either. God, yellow pages, now we're going back. <laughs> and remember once before we had the yellow pages, they're actually pink. Right? Mm. You know that? Yeah. Yep. And most of us used to drill a hole in the corner, and we used to hang them in the, uh, in the toilet once upon a time before, you know, <laughs> manufacturers got to making beautiful soft toilet paper. Um, <laughs> right. But, but uh, I, I'm getting waylaid. You are. Now, uh, he's, his plumbing ad, and it was like everybody else's plum, first plumber's ad, first of all had the name and logo at the top of the advertisement. Now, name and logo just don't work. If you put that up the top, it's not going to work for you, unless you're McDonald's, because everybody knows that McDonald's is mm. now synonym for hamburger. Yep. But what is your name? I mean, you advertise to people who don't know you, so what does your name mean? And then he just had a list of things he did, you know, uh, drains unblocked, uh, downpipes renewed and so on. Mm. Now, one of the things you do to write a good ad is, as I've said, put yourself in the moccasins of your marketplace, of your target market, and ask yourself, what ails me? What is my problem? What keeps me awake at night and so on? So let's take that plumber. That's exactly what I did. Now, Rob, you ring a plumber. You've got the first question is, can you come and fix my pipes? And mm. they say, yes. 
And then your next question is, great, when will you be there? Yep. And the plumber says, I'll be there at 11 o'clock in the morning. And you know from the moment that phrase leaves his lips, there is no earthly possibility of him being there at 11 o'clock in the morning. In fact, he will use his new modern technology to ring you at 20 past 11 to say he's running late, yep. which is no help at all. So that's what we embraced. The headline I wrote for that plumber was, you're plumbing on time or it's free. Mm-hmm. Now, when I showed him that, he almost suffered involuntary incontinence because he said, I'll go broke. And I said, that's the problem. You want to be agreeable, so you tell them a time. And when you're saying the time, you know, why did I say that? I couldn't possibly be there. So you are doing this thing of over-promising mm. rather than uh, over, uh, you know. We're Under-promising, over-delivery is what yeah, we want to do. What yep. we said, we should reverse that and under-promise. So he said, oh, yeah. Now, the rest of the ad was pretty simple. It just said, said that's right. We do one thing other plumbers most uh, um, don't do. We arrive on time to, at the time we mm. promise. We can do all the jobs other plumbers can do because we've been in business for 18 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Try us. Now, that ad, he had one truck on the road when we wrote that originally. I think within eight years, he had 38 trucks on the road. Was he any different as a plumber? No, he wasn't. He just did the things that plumbers could do. But what he did was guarantee his service. So there's two things there. Mm. Find out what trouble people about things and encapsulate it and then give a guarantee. We occasionally had to be late for somebody so we could do it for free and we'd choose somebody who was a motor mouth so they told people about it <laughs> and, uh, you know, spread the word. So he was t- strategically late now and again, was he? Oh, yes. And we picked right. Now, yeah, the one okay. problem was how did you get, as he built the business, we had to make sure the staff knew and understood that. So, what we did was we had a pool of money every month. And we said, you know, there's a thousand bucks in the center of the ring. If we have to do any work for free, we'll take the money out of it. Uh, and whatever's left, we'll divide amongst our employees. Well, the employees were never late. In mm. fact, the only guy that was ever late was the owner of the business himself because he forgot. But everybody... He's probably sitting in his car listening to you on his cassette, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe, on his cassette. What a <laughs> wonderful word that is. But, uh, you know, sit down and find out what troubles people, what it's all about, and write an ad. I'm just looking at an ad I did. Well, I'm not looking at it. I was looking mm. at the presentation I'm doing this afternoon um, for an accountant and I, he just says, at last, an accountant who tells you like it is and won't charge like a wounded bull. <laughs> now you can, And then there's a little bit of copy. Yep. But you can imagine what most accountants would think of that ad. But as I pointed out to my accountant client, other accountants aren't your, your potential market. We've got to embrace hmm. what most people feel when they see their accountant, which is, they don't understand what it's all about. They complain about how much it costs. Yeah, and so, I said, look, you're, you're walking in the moccasins and and just being so aware of of what keeps your your potential customer awake at night is as as the lead to the headline that you write and the copy that you use is um, obviously classic and just not done enough. You only have to flick through any directory of businesses online or offline to see that that's. People are still leading with business name and logo in big fat letters, and it's fairly meaningless, unfortunately. Yeah, and if you related this to, you know, websites, and I'm an old fart, so I can't talk about websites, but a website is no more than what a yellow pages 
ad used to be or what an advertisement is. People go to your website. They might, if they're customers already, they, they can get in any way through a password or a, mm. something. But anybody else is going because they want information, advice, assistance, and help. And yet most websites, the landing page talks all about them and what they do instead of how they can solve a prospect's problem. Yeah. And, you know, that's ages old. That's what made us great at writing yellow pages. And when you understood that, it was easy to do. Mm. So the ad, by the way, if it's a good ad, you can use it as your letterbox dropper. Of course. So, you know, yeah. it's just one. And you could probably use it as the landing page of your website. And your email subject line and so on. Well, look, Winston, thank you so much. And I'm going to ask you to, to – I'm getting near to the end of our time, so I'm going to, going to fire up a question at you. Ready for – I am not. can't tell you what it's going to be because I'm going to ask you to pick it. So I've got a list of uh, 1 to 20 questions here. I'd like you to pick any number between 1 to 20. And I think 13 sounds like a good number, Robert. 13, okay. Well, there you go. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? Ah, oh, so easy, so uh-huh. easy. So easy. Come on, then. One of my favourite writers says this, show me a person who earnestly and enthusiastically tells their story to four people every day and I'll show you a very successful person. Mm. You know, that is so good. If all our listeners, if we could just say to them, Robert, how many people have you told earnestly, enthusiastically about the problems you can solve for them today? It's a great question, isn't it? It is a great question. Who, who said that? Do you remember? I suspect it was Frank Betcher okay. who wrote that wonderful book, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success Through Selling. He never wrote another book called How I Can Write a Book with a Much Shorter Title than the <laughs> I wrote, <laughs> but he should have. And if it wasn't him, it was Dale Carnegie. I must dig it out because I use that every day. I just say to people who are complaining about the environment or politics or economy or anything, how many people have you earnestly and enthusiastically told about your business, about what you can do for them today? Now, I should put in parenthesis that you've got to tell the right people. If you keep on telling drowning people, then you won't sell them any water. Mm. But that's easy, you know, define who your target market is and then tell them. And we've just been talking about the media you then choose to choose the story. But for many people, depending on what they sell, they could just ring four people that they've targeted and start to talk to them about the problems they have and how they can be solved, and they've got the clients. Yeah, fantastic. Can I add a 13A? Come on, then. Attitude. Wow. Why am I always, no matter when you talk to me, if you ask me at five o'clock in the morning when I get up to take the dogs out for a run or when the the plane in Sydney is delayed on Friday night and we might have to stay overnight, ask me how I am and I'm always fantastic. That's true. I've never heard you say anything other than that. My sign-off in my emails is fantastic. What was it? Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, said, it's it's not your... um, skills what do you say it's it's your attitude that beats everything else it's not your altitude oh. it's not your yeah something yeah, yeah. Okay. it's your attitude and i i learned that 30 years ago i think and i've been fantastic i can remember i had to do a talk at nine o'clock for a big crowd when my father had died at 20 past four in the morning mm. 
Now, I'd been booked for that uh, presentation for a year. I couldn't have walked on and said, oh, look, normally I'm much better than now, but my father died, you'll understand all that. I had to walk on that stage and say, how are you? Fantastic. And it's amazing how that infects people. I have people ring me, I think, just to hear me say fantastic so they can get (laughs) going. But, you know, if you're fantastic or terrific and tremendous and you get into the habit, that's how life turns out. That's how it goes. Funny that, isn't it? I look at so many people. You know, occasionally I catch the train into town. Strange now, the train, once upon a time, used to be the rustle of newspapers. Now it's the click of digital devices. Mm. But they all look miserable. On a Monday, they're all travelling in to to go to their job just waiting for Friday. I hate that restaurant called Thank God It's Friday. (laughs) I just thank God it's any day, you know. (laughs) <laughs> the day I wake up, I'm going to be really upset. But the thing is that, you know, if they changed their attitude, if they walked in and attacked their job and they were positive and all that sort of stuff, they'd get promotion, they'd get all those sort of things. Mm. Promotion doesn't go to the, the most to the visible one studio. It's the person that's got that enthusiasm. And it's amazing if you're enthusiastic how much you can sell, how much you can achieve. Okay, well, look, I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you just to do one last rendition of that famous word of yours. So how is your day so far today, Winston? Fantastic. Thanks, Robert. Fantastic. <laughs> Laurel, thank you so much for joining us. It has been fantastic having you. And uh, Winston Marsh, if we want to find more about you, we can go to your website. Remind me of the address, please. It winstonmarsh.com.au. Is... Oh, there you go. That's pretty easy. Winstonmarsh.com.au. Lovely. For those letters and things, guru at winstonmarsh.com.au. Fantastic. Winston, thank you again for sharing your time with the Flying Solo community. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Robert. It's thank been you. a real pleasure. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 